0: Welcome to Radio Curious. I'm attorney Barry Vogel. In anticipation of the election for fifth district supervisor, this week on Radio Curious, we have two interviews, first with Wendy Roberts, and second with Dan Hamburg, both candidates for fifth district supervisor. I interviewed them both in the studios of Radio Curious in the last week of September, 2010. I ask them both the same questions in the same order outside the presence of the other so that you may compare their answers. Wendy Roberts, welcome to Radio Curious. Thank you. On Labor Day, I heard you give a talk uh, at the Democratic Picnic in Redwood Valley. And you referred to um, extremist ideologies, which you said have led to our decline. And I was curious as to what you meant by extremist ideologies.
1: I think it's extreme when we pit the environment against the economy that allows us to live here. I think it's extreme when we insist that we can only have one or the other and there's no middle ground and when virtually anything that comes before the public eye that might create a job is it triggers sort of a knee-jerk no. Now, sometimes we work back from that position and we get around to allowing something. But the first off-the-block reaction tends to be no. And it's, it's extremely discouraging to small businesses that are trying to grow, to anybody who might want to come into the county to do anything. And I just would like to suggest that when an idea comes out, our starting position should be, hmm, that's an idea, maybe.
0: At your talk, you said uh, that these ideologies have led to our decline. How would you describe our decline?
1: Well, I think that our decline has been quite apparent that we have had a, some years ago, we had an economy that was resource-based. It was based on over-harvesting on an extreme in one direction that led to extreme over-harvesting, degradation, Um, and then...
0: If if I can clarify, uh, when you say our decline, you're uh, focusing on Mendocino County.
1: I'm talking about the county and our economic decline, but also our environmental decline.
0: You talk about over-harvesting. Is that primarily in the uh, timber harvesting areas?
1: Well, I'm thinking specifically of timber harvesting. I'm not convinced that over-harvesting has been a major factor on the North Coast in our fishing industry, but it definitely was in the timber industry.
0: Would you say that they're related as I understand, one of the problems of clear cutting, for example, is uh, it allows silt to get into the streams, which preclude the salmon from uh, successfully spawning.
1: that that is one issue. Warmer water is another one that prevents salmon from successfully spawning. and, If I fully understood what has led to the decline of the salmon, I would be off in Washington trying to legislate a solution instead of here, pondering it. But what I was referring to was a a truly exploitive timber industry by people who I think didn't realize that it would end, that they could go too far. And then that led to an extreme reaction to the other side that didn't want anything to happen. And now I just left a meeting in which I was speaking with Judith Harwood, and I'm beginning to see people coming to the table and talking about sustainable forestry. When you
0: say the other side, who or how would you describe the other side?
1: Who or how? I would describe them as people who were looking at an environmental disaster and responded to it, I think, quite appropriately with you know, extreme opposition to that over-logging and to that behavior. The only issue I have is that once the situation had come to pretty much to a stop, then we have to start working to seek balance. We have to find a way to do something sustainable and redefine our relationship with the environment. And it's been very hard for many people in Mendocino County to let go of the nothing-goes-here mentality. I think that's understandable. I just think it's also dysfunctional, and we need to get to the point where we can work together.
0: Another comment you made on Labor Day was references to business-friendly practices. Can you define what business-friendly practices mean to you?
1: Yes, I can. I can give you some examples. The building department, when uh, business comes in and they want to do something as simple as the, the small nursery, plant nursery at the south end of, of Ukiah, they came in wanting to put in a prefab greenhouse that would have allowed them to have tender species plants on display and it would have contributed to their overall profitability. And they were sent back to get local engineering of this prefab greenhouse that was going to come in and sit on the ground according to prefab instructions. But no, it had to go through this extensive and very costly engineering process. They also wanted to use an existing one-car garage, an existing building with shed doors on the side, as an office and a place to sell seeds. And they were told that if they wanted to do that, I I believe because it would involve somebody stepping inside a structure, although a very open structure, they would be needing to pick up the expense of putting a fire hydrant in. I, I have a strong feeling that a different person with a different attitude looking at the same rules Could have worked with them and said, Well, we have rules about this and that. How might we be able to make this work? Rather than simply saying, You must do this, you must do that. Um, In another example, someone wanted to open an art gallery in Mendocino. They were told by our local water district that they would have to, uh, they couldn't have that change of use because the art gallery would cause more tourists to come to town and they would need water to flush toilets. This this kind of, you know, stop it before it starts is what really troubles me. So
0: what is it that would be stopped before it starts?
1: Well, in that case, an art gallery and a historic building that is now sitting there not being used for any such purpose. I mean, it's a business. So
0: you've given us two examples. One Mm -hmm. is the nursery at the south end of Ukiah. Mm -hmm. The other is the art gallery in the village of Mendocino. But I'm wondering about specific policies since the board of supervisors would determine what the planning policies would be. Are there any specific ones that you could articulate that would address the concerns that you tell us?
1: policies almost always have room for interpretation. And when they are interpreted in a way that allows a business to proceed, we are fostering profitability and the opportunity to have a job. When policies, when there is a mental set that we better we better not let something happen here and the policies consistently get interpreted in ways that slow things down or prevent things, that's anti-business. And it is a problem in Mendocino County.
0: So would it be fair to characterize what you're saying as a respect for business compared to a respect for the environment?
1: No, I would not characterize it that way.
0: How would you characterize it?
1: I do not. That is a false dichotomy that I do not accept.
0: I'm I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm trying to understand it. So the microphone is yours.
1: No, I, I don't think the environment would have suffered in either of the examples I gave you.
0: In other words, uh, as my understanding of having been a, uh, an observer of the Board of Supervisors in our county for the past 35 years, I, I'm aware that they set policies for uh, management to implement. So it's those policies that I'm probing for.
1: And what I'm saying is a good policy can be interpreted in more than one way. And the general attitude here has been to interpret policies in a rigid and prohibitive way rather than thinking clearly about each individual situation, how do the policies apply, and there usually is latitude.
0: I'd like to ask you about an email that you sent to the Board of Supervisors in July of 2009 in which you urged the Board to allow development on the Albion Headlands. And you wrote that the appeal was, quote, an abuse of the appeal process and discredits thoughtful environmentalists. And I'm curious as to what you mean by an abuse of the appeal process.
1: Shirley, I'm happy, I'm glad that you brought that up because it's something that is being used to undermine my credibility. That project is property that has been owned by the same people for many years. What? They had no. They had gone through a three-year process with the planning department doing multiple studies and reports. The planning department had approved this plan. The planning commission had approved this plan. The property had been looked at at least twice for public acquisition. It was declined in favor of the Navarro Headlands and Big River Estuary and both of those properties had, in the opinion of the people making the decisions, better features for public access.
0: Let me ask you the question, uh, because we are coming to the end of our time. Sure. And my question was the phrase abuse of the appeal process.
1: Yes. I believe that when an owner, a property owner, has complied with the local coastal plan, has satisfied the planning department, has satisfied the planning commission, and nearby properties have been set aside for open space, that there were individuals there who do not want anything built there, because it is in their backyard. And I believe that planning by lawsuit and planning by nimbyism will not protect our coast.
0: And nimbyism is not in my backyard.
1: It is. Not enough that we save the Navarro Headlands in the Big River Watershed. I want this particular piece saved because it is in my backyard. And that, I do believe, is an abuse when all of the public processes have been satisfied.
0: Well, I wish we had more time. I'd love to talk with you more. But I have three questions. One is, can you share with us a eureka or aha moment in your life that you follow that changed your approach to something.
1: Yes, and actually it was last August, just a bit more of a year than a year ago, and I'd come over knowing that I was going to file to run for office. I had come here and I'd spent three days sitting in the supervisor's chambers for the budget process. And I'd listened to them and struggled mentally with what was obviously ahead of us. Nothing that has happened this year has come as a great surprise if you sat in that room. I was driving home, and the Anderson Valley was so beautiful that it was breathtaking. And I was thinking about the people who are frequently vilified, who had been working, the county officials, our board of supervisors, county council, the, the current CEO, all of these people who were working so hard to try to make a plan that could keep this county alive. And I could see that it was not going to be a particularly successful plan, that the year had major pitfalls ahead. And I felt a tremendous sense of kindred spirit that even in the face of these terrible challenges, there were people willing to take them on. And I feel that way today. And it's a big reason that I'm persevering in this campaign. Another question
0: is, what would you like to do with the remainder of your One Precious Life?
1: Well, I'd like to have the opportunity to serve this county. I've fallen in love with the towns and the people of the 5th District and really the whole county because I was interested in the whole county before I got interested in parts of our own district. So that's a big part of it. I certainly want to spend time with my grandchildren. They're very dear to me and with my husband, who's also very dear to me.
0: You're listening to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. We've just heard a brief interview with Wendy Roberts, and now we'll proceed to a brief interview with Dan Hamburg. I'll be asking him the same questions I just asked Wendy Roberts. Dan Hamburg, welcome to Radio Curious. Thank you, Barry. Nice to be here. You were present at the Democratic Party Labor Day picnic at the Fry Ranch on Labor Day. And I saw you listening to a talk that Wendy Roberts gave. And in that talk, she made reference to extremist ideologies, which she said have led to our decline. Do you have an opinion about what extremist ideologies have led to the decline?
2: My idea of the problem of extremist ideologies in Mendocino County Uh, is, of course, diametrically opposed to what Wendy Roberts' idea is. Uh, Her idea of extremist ideology seems to be anybody to the left of her, which is a very large percentage of the people of the county and even a larger percentage of the people of the 5th District. Uh, Wendy often accuses uh, environmental extremists of of uh, preventing things from happening, such as the development of the, uh, of the Albion Headlands, uh, such as the completion of a grading ordinance for the county, such as uh, the problems with the completion of the UVAP. Uh, I think Wendy sees considers herself to be the one true environmentalist and anyone who is less property rights oriented than her uh, is in her estimation an extremist. To me, the extremists are the people who support Wendy Roberts, which is the Employers Council. Uh, you know, oftentimes. Uh, Uh, The Mendocino County Farm Bureau, which has has been been instrumental in stopping uh, grading ordinance for the last three decades in this county. Um, Many times, uh, I think the Board of Realtors, uh, although I have plenty of friends who are realtors. But, you know, these lobbying organizations that have lined up behind Wendy, these so-called pro-business, pro-property rights, uh, anti-government organizations to me are the real extremists that we have to be careful of.
0: She was referring to a decline. How would you characterize the decline that uh, has occurred in the past several years?
2: Well, I don't see a decline. Um, I think this county has its share of problems, and I think most of those problems uh, exist in counties uh, certainly throughout California and really throughout the entire country. Um, I think what she means by decline is that— Wealthy people are having a harder time making money here. And, you know, and and to be fair, you know, it's a very bad time economically. You know, you'd have to be have blinders on to not see that uh, this is affecting everyone in the county. But um, I see I see. good things happening in this county. I think the local food movement is a is a very auspicious thing in Mendocino County. I think the movement toward um, uh, creating a sustainable energy uh, opportunity for this county, particularly with the, the failure of PG&E's initiative uh, in the June election, I think that's a very exciting possibility for the county. Um, you know, I know Wendy, uh, although she's denying this now, but I I think there's good evidence that she was in favor of the uh, the development out at Masonite. And perhaps she saw that as uh, something that would move Mendocino County forward. Um, she did back off that, I think, when she saw that the great majority of people, and particularly in the Fifth District, were, were very opposed to that. But It's interesting, most of the groups that are behind Wendy were big supporters uh, of, uh, you know, of the the DDR development at the Masonite site.
0: There was also a reference made to business-friendly policies. How would you characterize business-friendly policies? Well, I guess they're the
2: policies that the Employers' Council pushes, you know, privatization, uh you know cutting the salaries and the and the benefits and pensions of public employees it 's a very uh, you know w- when you go into the boardroom and you see John Mayfield and Mark Johnson and Lee Howard, you pretty much know what you 're going to hear you 're going to hear that government is the enemy you know these guys really <laughs> kind of harken back to ronald reagan you know 90, circa nineteen eighty one And they have a mantra, and and it's the same mantra regardless of the issue. You know, government, get out of the way and let big business run things. And, of course, we've seen what happens in this country. Unfortunately, it's been both Republicans and Democrats who have opened the floodgates for the kinds of corruption and financial collapse that we're seeing on the national level. But, you know, you can bring the same ideology, that same kind of libertarian uh, Pro privatization, anti-government—that that same attitude exists right here. It's led by Ukiah-based organizations. Which one of the strange things about this election is Wendy's the one who lives on the coast, but she's also the one who is the most strongly supported by these uh, conservative bastions that are based in Ukiah Valley. And I've already named what those are, and you know they're. You know, if you go through Wendy's uh, 460, which is the financial disclosure form that gets submitted to the FPPC, you'll see, you'll see those names. And um, many of them were the same people who um, were working on my recall in the early 80s. And now they're, you know, they're trying to keep me from being back on the board because they found that I was
0: uh, at least somewhat effective at squelching some of their designs. Last July... July of 2009, Wendy uh, Roberts wrote a letter in opposition to a build-out of the uh, Albion Headlands. It was actually an email that she wrote to the Board of Supervisors. And I quote from that. She said, um, uh, this abuse of the appeal process discredits uh, thoughtful environmentalists. My question to you, Dan, is um, what is the purpose of the appeal process from the Planning Commission to the Board of Supervisors. Okay, well, let's just clarify. Wendy was supporting the developer,
2: uh, Carol Smith and her husband, and they wanted to use these uh, land patents uh, or so-called certificates of compliance in order to develop uh, residential uh, uses on the Albion Headlands. Now, going back to 1983 when the local coastal plan was passed, and I was actually happened to be chairman of the board when we were doing those hearings along the coast, the Albion Headlands were um, classified as remote residential 40 acre minimums. And also that area is designated as highly scenic. So possi- possibilities of development on the Albion Headlands going back 30 years have always been discouraged. And then along comes Carol Smith, who's a friend of Wendy's, uh, you know, saying that she wanted to develop this kind of gated community for very wealthy people on those headlands. And initially she got a, an okay, uh, I don't know what the vote was probably four to three on the planning commission. So then it was appealed by the Sierra club, the Albion residents association and the Mendocino land trust who said no to Carol Smith and her husband, uh, the board, you know, going back to 1983 and the, and the passage of the LCP, has always opposed this type of development on the headlands. And fortunately, by a very narrow three to two vote, uh, the, bo- the board stood with the appeal. And you asked me, what is an appeal for? Well, an appeal is for precisely this reason. The the planning commission is not an elected body. It's an appointed body. Um, decisions that are of great import to local communities, such as the development of the headlands, was to, um, to Albion residents need to go to a body that's actually been democratically elected by the people, and that was the case uh, in, in this instance. And of course, Wendy Roberts didn't like it because um, you know one of her one of her friends uh, was being denied the ability to develop uh, these headlands
0: in the email uh, to the board of supervisors. In July of 2009, Wendy Roberts says that the appeal process uh, as used at that time discredits thoughtful environmentalists. How would you, Dan, describe a thoughtful environmentalist?
2: Well, I, I always think back to the um, the concept of the seventh generation in that you look, you know, when you're trying to decide whether something uh, should go forward or not, you want to think not just about you know, your generation and your children and your grandchildren, but as far ahead as you possibly can. And, you know, I think this is a perfect case in point. Once you pave over an area that, you know, has, has been legally designated highly scenic and and uh, with 40-acre minimums, once you pave that over, you're not going to unpave it. Um, and a thoughtful environmentalist, I think, is someone who, who really is— uh, is considering not only what is good for a single developer like Carol Smith uh, in this instance, but is thinking what's best for uh, for the site, you know, for the, for those headlands, uh, for the coastal community, for the tens of thousands of people who come up to Mendocino County to see a pristine coastline. Um, you know, it just has to be a broader consideration than, than what Wendy usually keeps in mind. Uh, she has a very uh, uh, strong idea about property rights and the inviolability of property rights, and I really think that clashes with what um, most people who care about the Mendocino Coast believe.
0: Well, Dan Hamburg, I want to thank you for being with us on Radio Curious and a few questions before we leave. One is, uh, can you tell us about a eureka moment or an aha moment where you realize something that you continue to live by?
2: Well, um, I certainly had those uh, when I was a young man. This was an aha moment I had as, as a student, and I was reading a book. Uh, about latin america written by a guy named john gerassi and i'd been a i'd been a history buff as a high school student you know i'd gone through all their honors programs and i really loved american history and then i read this book called the great fear in latin america which kind of laid bare this whole lie that had been inculcated into my brain for my whole life and i went aha so this is the way this is the way the world treats me they feed me lies and then um you know then i Luckily, got to a place where, um, I mean, actually got to an institution where I was given the materials I needed to arm myself with the truth.
0: What would you like to do with the rest of your one special life?: Well, for a
2: hunk of it, I'd like to um, represent the fifth supervisorial district. Uh, I went into this with my eyes wide open. I've been a supervisor before. I've spent a lot of time around government and uh, I think that this is the time for us to really focus our energies locally. I think we're facing entropy uh, on the national level, on the state level, and the best thing we can do is figure out how to make our little 3,500 square mile island a livable place for ourselves and our progeny.
0: In this edition of Radio Curious, our guests have been Wendy Roberts and Dan Hamburg, both candidates for 5th District Supervisor in the November election. The book that Wendy Roberts recommends is Touching Wings, Touching Wild by Ronnie James. The book that Dan Hamburg recommends is The Shock Doctrine by Naomi Klein. I interviewed them both in the studios of Radio Curious in the last week of September 2010. I asked them both the same questions in the same order outside the presence of the other so that you may compare their answers. There are over 380 Radio Curious archive editions on our website at radiocurious.org, where all programs are free to download, copy, share, or rebroadcast as you wish. We'd like you to use the whole program and ask that you give credit to Radio Curious. You may also subscribe to our podcast and receive new programs as they are produced. Click the podcast link at radiocurious.org. Let us know if you need a CD. We can make one for you. The email is curious at radiocurious.org. Snail mail may be sent to Post Office Box 7, Ukiah, that's U-K-I-A-H, California, 95482. The phone is 707-462-6541. Christina Onested is our associate producer. You've been listening to Radio Curious. I'm host and producer Barry Vogel. Thank you for joining us.